Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. We have some tr- some traditions. Um, Kaylee's family, we like to take a picture every year. We do our Christmas photo for her mom so that she could put together this letter and this nice Christmas card, right? And every year, Kaylee's brother loves to sneak in something just kind of special into the picture. Like one year, he had a little toy frog. He just kind of put it on one of our shoulders. And this year was no disappointment. This year, he brought in a baby cow, a live baby cow. I'm not even kidding. We have all kinds of traditional food. What's what's your favorite food? Just kind of shout it out. What's your favorite food? Thanksgiving food. Dressing. Or is it stuffing? Is it stuffing? Is it dressing? Who knows? Pie. That's right. Yeah. Ham. Mashed potatoes. My favorite's candied yams with marshmallows on top. You got You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I learned that there's a difference between candied yams and sweet potato casserole. Sweet potato casserole is mashed up and put pecans in it. That's good, too, but I really like the candied yams with the marshmallows. It's good stuff. Well, my family, we love to to have traditions. We love to celebrate Thanksgiving. In fact, there's one tradition we have every year. We, for Thanksgiving, we like to fast. The faster you eat, the more you get. That's right. <laughs> Thanksgiving is always a big deal for my family. It always was growing up. I remember one time, I remember my first Thanksgiving. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I think I was about one year old, and uh, I remember I was sitting at the table with my Sister to my right, my brother, who was two years old, just right across from me. And uh, I remember my mom had, had made all the stuff, you know. She had been up all night, probably got up at like 4 o'clock in the morning, maybe even made some stuff the night before, you know. We had the turkey. We had the ham with the, with, with the pineapple on there and the cherry on top. And we had the mashed potatoes and gravy and the rolls and the biscuits and the sweet potato pie and the pumpkin pie and the pecan pie and the apple pie and I mean we just had everything it was just laid out all across the table my mom got us all ready and my dad was upstairs taking a nap and for some reason my mom thought it would be a good idea to leave us at the table I don't know what she was thinking I mean she was only gone for a couple minutes but by the time she came back down she couldn't help but see the last bit of mashed potatoes fly out of my hand and across the table into my brother's face and she couldn't be mad at me either because i was just covered head to toe in food it was such a good time such a good time hanging out with family uh and i used to i used to love telling jokes every thanksgiving too so one year my family told me that i should stop telling thanksgiving jokes and i just told them you know what i can't quit cold turkey okay all right all right i'll stop turn with me to the book of luke 24 i want to preach a message to you that's kind of an unconventional story this time of year. It's not a message that you would normally hear right about now. It's the start of the Christmas season. You would normally hear sermons about Christ's birth, Um, but it's a story about two guys who were just discouraged and disappointed about the outcomes of what took place that week. But it's a story that's also filled with hope and joy. Would you stand with me as we read? We're going to look at Luke chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 13. Luke 24, verse 13. It says this. Now the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, 
about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they walked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all of people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. And in addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish are you and how slow to believe all the prophets that have spoken. Did not, did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what had said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going any further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they could recognize him. And he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning with us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? So they got up, they returned to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It's true, the Lord has risen. He has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your word this morning, God. And I just pray this morning, Lord, as we take a look into this story that seems unconventional at this time of year. Lord, a story about your death and these two guys who were just walking along a road. But God, I just pray that you would open our hearts this morning, Lord. And if there's anyone here this morning who maybe has been a little discouraged lately, a little depressed lately, a little in despair, God, Lord, that you would begin to shine light into their hearts this morning, God, so that they would see who you truly are. Lord, we love you and thank you. Amen. Amen. I've entitled my message to this morning, The Invitation. I want you to turn to two people and say, you're invited. You're invited. I wonder how many of you have lost hope some point here in 2020. I mean, would you be willing to say at some point in 2020 today, you thought things were going to go one way and they turned out completely different? I know I have. You thought one thing would happen, but it really didn't. It's kind of been like this really great big episode of Nailed It. Anybody seen that show, Nailed It? If you haven't watched this, it, it's a great show. You should check it out. It's on Netflix. I love the holiday special specifically. And uh, here's how it goes. If you haven't seen the show, this is how it goes. They basically get a couple of contestants, usually three, and uh, they go, all right, you're going to make this cake. And this cake is a sheet cake. And it's a stage. And on that stage is going to be lights and towers of uh, smoke that come off of it. And you're going to have to make this picture of Justin Bieber. You know, something crazy like that. 
And they're like, okay, I got this. I can do it. I'm good. I, I, I'm a baker, you know, and all of them are like super excited because they own a bakery or like they're the best chef in their family, you know, and they get in there and like, okay, we're ready. And like, oh, by the way, you only have an hour. You know, and they get there, and they, they go to it, and they get after it, right? And they're making this cake, right? And they're trying to make it best look as possible that they can. And they get up, and they usually have, like, a little shield in front, so you can't see it, right, until they reveal it. And they come up, and like, okay, let's take a look. And they drop that shield, and the person's like, nailed it. <laughs> you know? But, like, their Justin Bieber just looks like a swamp monster, and it just looks like the towers are flopping over. <laughs> That's kind of been how 2020 has been this year, hasn't it? It's been like this idea where we're like, okay, you know what? I got this. Things are going good. You know, I think I can handle it. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, oh maybe I don't have this. <laughs> maybe things aren't going quite the way that I thought they were. And that's the context of the story that we're looking at this morning. You have these two guys who are on the road to Emmaus. And, and before they're on this road, they... they thought things were going great. Things were going really well for them, you know. We don't know a whole lot about them. We don't know their story. In fact, this is the only time in Scripture that we hear about these two guys. Um, And we don't, so we don't know much about their story. But what we do know is that they chose to leave Jerusalem to go back to their home. Their home was in Emmaus. And you might be thinking, well, that's not a big deal. You know, I go home all the time. In fact, I'm going to go home after church here today. You know, It's, it's not a big deal. I go home all the time. But let me just give you a little bit of a background on the events that took place the week before. See, the week before was a week of joy and celebration, a a week of happiness and and just praising and rejoicing. It's the week that on Sunday, Jesus was entering into Jerusalem and they were celebrating and having a great time. And everyone thought that Jesus was going to be the one, the one that's going to redeem them, the one that's going to save them, the one that's going to help them overcome the tyrannous rule of the Roman Empire. So Sunday, they're rejoicing. They're having a great time. They're having a party. In fact, it's an all-week party because it's Passover week, and they're just celebrating, just having, enjoying life, and just praising and rejoicing. And then Friday comes, and Jesus dies on the cross, and their hope was crushed. Anybody ever had a week like that? Like, your week was just going really great, you know? Uh... You thought things were going to happen one way. I mean, in fact, you started off the week all excited. Maybe, maybe it was even this week. You know, you thought, oh, this is going to be such a good week. I got, I, I'm off of work. I don't have to go into work this week. It's going to be awesome. So you get up on Monday and you're like, okay, what do we want to do today? Monday is going to be a fantastic day. Hey, you know what? I heard about this Gaylord Texan thing. They have like so much Christmas and I love Christmas. So I'm going to go there and you take the family and you go have fun. Right. And then Tuesday comes around. You're like, oh, let's go tour some Christmas lights. You know, let's get it more into the Christmas spirit. And you go tour some Christmas lights, you know. And then, and then Wednesday comes, you're like, okay, we haven't played games with our family. Let's do that. Yeah, let's play some games with our family. And woo, just having a good time. This is a great week. Thursday is Thanksgiving. Oh, I love Thanksgiving, man. We get to eat food and then watch football. And then we get to eat some more food. Oh, it's such a good time. And Friday, oh, Friday, I get to sleep in a little bit because I already did my Black Friday shopping. I just did, took care of that online. I ain't got to worry about it. Or maybe you went out and had some fun. And then all of a sudden you get a phone call. Hey, this is work. We, we, we decided to downsize. You don't need to come in on Monday. Or, or it's your sister. Hey, uh, your brother was in a really bad car accident. He's in the hospital. They don't think he's going to make it. Just crushed. Just crushed. And suddenly it just feels like the world has been pulled out from underneath you, you know? Like somebody just up and pulled a rug out and you just fell over and 
It's all craziness. Hope is gone. That's what happened to these two guys. See, Jerusalem was the epicenter of the Christian movement. Jerusalem was where all the action was happening. I mean, this is where healings were taking place, miracles were happening, great feasts, joy, happiness. But it's also the place where Jesus died. It's also the place of despair and disappointment and hopelessness. And these two guys were walking away from it all. They'd had enough. And I think there's some clues in this text this morning that I want to break it down for you that we can apply to our lives because we're going to see some things that happen to these two guys that maybe you've experienced in your life as well. Let's look back at verse 13. It said, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. (laughs) I didn't know Jesus was a creeper, did you? (laughs) I mean, here we have these two guys. They're walking along this road, you know, just, you know, they're distraught. They're, they're, they're discouraged, but they're, they're just talking, you know. They're traveling away from Jerusalem to, to Emmaus, you know, and it's a seven-mile journey. And, you know, I don't know about how long, or about how much time had passed, but I, th- I think I can probably guess because Scripture says it was a seven-mile journey. And what I do know is that the average guy walks about three miles per hour. And so I think that because... It also says that they had talked about everything that had happened. I think only about an hour had passed because an hour is about all the time a guy needs to say everything that he needs to say. And so here they are about an hour down the road and out of nowhere, Jesus pops up. I don't know about y'all, but I would have freaked out. I'd be like, whoa, hey, hold up. I've been like throwing up fists. Like, come on, man. I don't know who you are. about the about to throw down and come out of nowhere. What are you doing? Verse 16 says they were kept from recognizing him. They couldn't see that it was Jesus. Anybody ever been looking for something that you just, you couldn't find? It was like right in front of your face the whole time. You know, you're like, hey, where are my keys at? I can't find my keys. You're looking all over the house trying to find your keys and they're right in your pocket the entire time, you know? Or you're like, hey, honey, can, can you call my cell phone? Like, I can't find my phone. And she calls, and it's like, it's right there in your hand, you know? Kaylee and I, we were getting ready to go to an appointment, one of Oliver's appointments, doctor's appointments. We were trying to get ready to go, and I was trying to find some paperwork. And so I go looking because I thought maybe it was in his, his diaper bag. I go there. I check the diaper bag. It's not in there. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go over here, check this folder that I know we have some documents in. No, it's not in there. Okay, maybe it's in the diaper bag. And I just missed it. I go back to the diaper bag. I'm like looking through. No, I can't find it in there. Maybe it's over here on this desk. Okay, I'm looking through some paperwork there. Looking over, all of a sudden, Kaylee walks in. And she's like, it's right here. And I'm like, where was it? She goes, it was in the diaper bag <laughs> right in front of me the whole time. See, Cleopas and his buddy couldn't see that it was Jesus right there in front of them. He couldn't see that it was Jesus right there because of their discouragement. They were discouraged. They were disappointed. They were downcast. They didn't know it was Jesus. They were disappointed that Jesus didn't rescue them from the Roman rule. They, they thought Jesus was going to be the one who would help them escape out of, that, out of that tyranny, but they couldn't see him. You know, I think sometimes God will choose not to reveal himself in the situation that we're in 
because he needs to show us something that we wouldn't otherwise see had he shown us in that moment. Jesus will reveal himself, but it wasn't at that moment. Jesus will reveal himself in our walk, in our struggles, but he chooses to do it at a specific moment. And these guys, here they are, they've been traveling away from their Jerusalem. They've been walking away from their disappointment, their discouragement. And I wonder here, who's here this morning has been walking away from your Jerusalem, your disappointment, your despair, your disillusion. It's a place here where they had lost hope in Jerusalem. They, they, they were walking away from it all, and they, they're walking along this road, and, and God is there. He's there with them. He's walking along with them. He just hasn't revealed himself to them yet because there's something that they need to learn. And so they're talking about everything that had happened, and Jesus shows up, creeps up on them, and he meets them there where they are. And I, I really think this is a true picture of grace, see, because grace will meet us where we are. We don't have to go looking for grace. Grace comes looking for us, and it'll meet us right where we are. It'll meet us on our own road of dis- Uh, of disappointment. It'll meet us on our own road of depression. It'll meet us on our own road of pain and sorrow and struggling. Grace will meet us right where we are. So verse 17 says, he asked him, this is Jesus. Jesus asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? (laughs) And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Cleopas, the smart one. Can we call him Cleo? I like to call him Cleo. Cleo, the smart one, pipes up. He's like, hey, um, uh, do you not realize, you know, he's like, this is the only road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. He's like, you have had to have been in Jerusalem. Do you not know the things that have taken place? Do you not know all the commotion? I mean, like, you couldn't have been in Jerusalem and not knew what had happened there. But I think Luke wrote it this way because he wants us to see Cleo's heart. And Cleo's heart was full of despair, full of disappointment. His scripture says his face was downcast. In fact, the Greek word here is skithropus. And if you define it in English, it simply means uh, depressed or disappointment or despair or discouraged or add whatever dis you want in there. That's what it means. And so we begin to see what's happening, everything that God was doing. They were in this place of deep, and he does it through a conversation. He wants to join in and introduce us to the kingdom of God and all that he's doing. So Cleo's like, I can't believe you don't know the things that have happened. And so Jesus, he just plays along. Verse 19, it says, he he just goes, what things? (laughs) About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. And, And he begins to tell them all these things. And I love what it says here. In verse 21, they said, Cleo says, but we had hoped that he was the one who's going to redeem Israel. They, they hoped he would be the one to redeem them. See, what they had hoped for didn't happen. Just like some of the things we had hoped would happen in 2020 may not have happened. And, and the thing about hope is that it's so fragile. Human hope is is so fragile. It's easily destroyed. I mean, it's only been three days. They were celebrating because Jesus was there. He was going to come and redeem them. He, they were just celebrating him in. And then he died on the cross, and it had only been three days, and their hope was shattered. I mean, the cross for them had been 
the end. They heard that the tomb was empty, but they still didn't know that Jesus was alive because they hadn't experienced his presence. They hadn't experienced him in the moment. They needed a personal encounter with Jesus for it to make sense. They believed Jesus was the promised Messiah, but the thing is, is they were hoping for a different kind of Messiah. See, they were hoping for a political Messiah, a Messiah that would deliver them from the nation of oppression, uh, that would deliver them and, and free them from the Roman Empire. But now this Messiah that they had hoped in was dead, and their hope was shattered. Maybe, maybe some of you this week, your hopes have been shattered. Maybe your deepest dreams have turned into nightmares. Maybe in 2020, your hopes have really begun to go downhill. Maybe your marriage was what was shattered. You'd hoped when you said, till death do us part. Or maybe it was a serious dating relationship. You thought, you know what, this might be the one. Not in 2020. (laughs) Maybe doctors found out that you had advanced stages of cancer, given a year to live, you had hoped. Your adult children haven't embraced your faith in Jesus. You, you had hoped. You showed up for work on an ordinary day and your boss packed, told you to pack your bags. You had hoped. I think for a lot of us, hope um, hope is like, like these ornaments here. I love Christmas, like I was saying. And, and my family, um, growing up, we used to have these really special ornaments that came in these really nice boxes. I just bought these from Target because they were the only ones that had it. But uh, but uh, th- we had these these ornaments. And, and if you're familiar with these, um, these are the type of ornaments that, um, that, that you had to be a certain age to put on the Christmas tree because they're made of glass. And, and there's nothing like them because they're just so pretty and so beautiful. And I, I didn't put my little things on here, so I'm going to see if I can hang it on here without without any struggle here. And you got to a certain point in your life where you're you're able to hang these on a tree and you know because your mom or your dad finally could trust you enough, I don't know if I trust myself enough to to do it, you know. And so you're but but it's, you know, you, you go through life and life is the same way and you're struggling, you're trying to get things together and then all, all of a sudden hope fails it, it falls off the tree <laughs> hope fails you but you, you keep going anyway you press through and and you're like you know what i can do this i got i got this and maybe maybe life isn't so bad and so i'm just going to set it up there because i can't get them on the tree <laughs> and uh but you know just like these ornaments hope is hope is bright hope is beautiful um Hope is amazing, you know. Hope is great, you know. Hope, hope is fantastic. But, but then, something happens in life, and all, all of a sudden, something unexpected happens. And these aren't working, <laughs> and the, and your hope gets shattered. Look, I broke one this morning trying to get it out, and it just didn't work for me on the stage. But, uh, and hope is so fragile, in our lives, isn't it? Um. though, doesn't have to be that fragile when we have Jesus. I wonder this morning, what have you been hoping for? 
What have, what have you been hoping for in 2020? What did you hope would happen this year that hasn't happened? See, Cleo and his buddy were upset because they had hoped Jesus would be the Messiah. The last thing in the world that they expected was for the one that they thought would, that, that they thought would redeem them, that would save them from all of the Roman Empire, the one that they thought, the last thing that they would happen was for this Messiah to die on a cross at the hands of the enemy. I mean, they had hoped for an Exodus type of story where they would just be able to get free from all of this that had happened and their hope was shattered. But in verse 25, Jesus said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them all that was said in scripture concerning himself. See, Jesus joins in the conversation. He jumps in there and he says, okay, okay, that's interesting. That's an interesting way to put it. But let me tell you how it's really supposed to go. Let me tell you exactly what scripture says. And Jesus decides to give these guys like the full wholehearted story. And I just love it because he takes them from the very beginning of scripture, walks them all the way through it and shows them everything concerning him. He says, okay, you want to talk about Moses? Let's go there. I'll show you Moses. Let's talk about that. He, he shows them how the Messiah had to suffer and that was key. And he talks them through all of this stuff. And so they're looking, you know, for this Messiah that would rule with power and authority. But he shows them that this Messiah wasn't that type of Messiah, that this Messiah would rule as a servant and one who would be who would suffer at the hands of the enemy. See, they had hoped for a Messiah that would free them from suffering, not one that would free them by suffering. And Jesus is telling them who it is. And it's the greatest Bible story ever told. I mean, I love this. I, I would have loved to have been a part of this story and been, been there. I would have loved for somebody to have a camera and live streamed it for all the world to see, because it's like the best 30 minute elevator speech of grace that you could ever hear. And even though they heard it, they still couldn't see because they had hoped for a different kind of Messiah and they couldn't tell that it was him. And so even though that was happening and they couldn't see him and they couldn't figure out that this was Jesus walking with them and talking with them, something burned in their hearts and they thought, you know what? There's, I need to know more. There, there's something else here to the story. So verse 38 or 28 says, they approached the village to which they were going and Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. And so he went to stay with them. They invited him in. They invited him in. See, they're on this road and they're like, okay, our hearts are burning. We we hear what you're saying. I don't know who you are, man, but I love that you're what you're talking about. And yeah, that's that's great. That's Jesus. That's the Messiah that we thought, but we had hoped in a different kind of way. And so they they're like, but we need to know more. Tell us more. And so they invite him in. And, And I love what this is because it's Jesus doing exactly what he does all the time. And he begins to have communion with sinners. He, he begins to have conversation with them. And, you know, they're doubting and they're confused, but their hearts are burning. There's something more. So they invite him in. And, and it happens. This happens in Scripture all over where people in, are, get invited, uh, where Jesus gets invited by sinners all the time. And, and they go in and he goes in and eats with them and fellowships with them. And it made me wonder today, who are you inviting in? Who have you been inviting to the table this year? Has it been fear? Has it been depression, discontentment, pain, sorrow, 
Cleo and his buddy, they invited Jesus in. And I love that because what happens is when we invite Jesus in, change happens. I remember a time at a wedding in John chapter 2 where this wedding took place and Jesus was invited. And you guys know the story. Jesus comes in and it's the first miracle that ever takes place. I remember another time uh, where Jesus was invited in Luke chapter 7. He was invited to this party, or invited to, not a party, but he was invited to a Pharisee's house for dinner. And this woman shows up with an alabaster jar and pours it all over Jesus. And she said, in in fact, I think it was verse 48, that tells us that that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. But it all started with an invitation. When was the last time you invited Jesus in? Jesus is waiting to come into your life. He's waiting. You may have messed things up, but you haven't messed it up so far that he can't take care of it. He's already paid the price on the cross for our sins. And all that's required on our part is to believe in him and accept the payment that he has made and invite him in. Without the invitation, there is no miracle. Without the invitation, there is no forgiveness. Without the invitation, there is no hope. Without the invitation, there is no grace. The invitation changes everything. And it changed everything for Cleo and his friend. In fact, verse 30, it says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So they asked each other, Were our hearts not burning with us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? I I love this part of the story because... To me, it's the first Thanksgiving after Jesus died. I mean, here they are having a great meal together, you know. Uh, and, and you know, I found out this week that Jesus is really the master of connecting things together. Um, he, he'll do that. He'll show us one thing in our lives at one point in our lives, and we'll think nothing of it. And we'll just go on our merry way, you know. And then all of a sudden, he'll, he'll show us the exact same thing, and we're like, oh, wow, Jesus, that was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. And he does that in our lives, and that's exactly what he did. Jesus is sneaky. I told you, he, he, he's a creeper. He sneaks up on you on some stuff. And so I found out this week that that's what he did here in the story. In fact, uh, here's what happened. In fact, the night before Jesus died, Luke and the other Gospels record that he sat down with the 12 disciples to have a meal. And it was on that night when Jesus first broke bread with them. And, and do you remember what he said to them? In fact, the pastor said it earlier in our service today. He said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This, this is cup is, is my blood, which is shed for you. See, the disciples didn't realize it then, but they figured it out on the cross. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know quite what Jesus meant then. But the next day when Jesus died on the cross, it all began to make sense. And they didn't experience that grace until the price was paid on the cross. And it was, you know, the cross that they realized who Jesus was and what he was trying to do. And so just a few days later at the house of Cleo, here we are again at the table and Jesus breaks the bread. Is it possible in that moment they saw the scars on Jesus' hands? Was it at that moment that they realized who he was? When their sorrow turned to joy, when their pain turned to happiness, when their despair turned to rejoicing, now they see that it was Jesus all along. He was with them. And in that moment, they went from a place of hopelessness 
to a place of hopefulness. Jesus broke the bread and all these things came together. It was like fireworks going off in their head and they're getting all excited and enthusiastic about it. And they remember how their hearts were burning. And I love what it says in verse 33, that they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And, and we skip forward a little bit saying, it's true, he's risen, he is alive. They got on the same road. Remember, there's only one road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. See, before that road had been marked by despair and discouragement and 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 pain and sorrow. But after that night, after Jesus broke bread with them because they invited him in, that that road now became a road of joy, a road of happiness, a road of great rejoicing as they ran back to Jerusalem to tell about everything that had happened. You know, we're moving into a part of our own story where it should be full of hope. I mean, Christmas season should be a season that's full of hope, right? And if you haven't seen, I love our billboard that it's on the way here. From, if you're coming northbound on Fort Worth Drive, it's on the right-hand side, just past the QT over there. It says, it says, when you feel, and there's a big blank. You just fill in that blank. When you feel pain, when you feel sorrow, when you feel discouraged, when you feel crazy, when, whatever you want to put in that blank. And then below it says, find hope in Jesus. God is ready to reveal himself to you this morning. He's ready to show you that he's been with you on the road all along this morning. He's been talking with you. He's been encouraging you. He's been showing you the way. He hasn't revealed himself to you yet, but he's waiting for you to invite him in. Your road can change this morning, but you have to invite him in. It's all about the invitation. And I want to make an invitation to you right now. So here's what we're going to do. I want everyone in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm not closing just yet, but I want to make an invitation. I want to take this moment to just make an invitation to you right now. Have you been inviting Jesus in this year? Have you been inviting him in this week? Maybe there's someone here this morning who you've never accepted Jesus into your life. There's no one looking around right now except me, but would you, would you raise your hand? If you're here this morning, you, you would say today, you know what? I've heard all these things. I've been in this worship. It's been great. I want to know more about Jesus. I want to invite him into my heart and into my life. If there's anyone in this room, I don't want to let that pass before I move on to the next invitation. But if that's you, you you need to invite Jesus into your heart this morning for the first time. Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Awesome. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been walking your own road of Scythropus. You've been walking from... You've been leaving your own Jerusalem. You've left it all behind, and now you're walking towards your own Emmaus. You're, you're walking down your own road of discouragement and depression and despair and whatever else you want to diss in there. If you're here this morning and you've heard these words, and maybe you need to invite Jesus in to once again restore your hope, would you raise your hand this morning? Yeah, all across the room, hands are going up. Yeah, yeah, you need to invite Jesus in this morning. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. and It's a prayer that a lot of us have heard before, but it's a prayer that all of us need to say again and again because it's the prayer that can restore hope in our lives. So whether you raised your hand for the first invitation or the second invitation here this morning or you didn't raise your hand at all, I just want everyone to say this prayer. And you can just do it. Just simply repeat after me and you can say it softly at your chair or you can shout it out if you want to either way it's fine just say it like this dear Jesus I thank you for dying on the cross 
I recognize that without your sacrifice, I cannot be free. I recognize that because you died for my sins, I can have hope. I can have grace. I can be redeemed. I can be free. Lord, come into my heart. Fill my life right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, would you just rejoice with God here this morning? There are people, he is rejoicing. Amen. You know, immediately after Cleo and his friends saw that it was Jesus, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. And I want to make a final charge to you this morning. Called a launch, if you will, something to launch you out into this week. There are people in our lives right now, people who are not here this morning, who are walking their own road to Emmaus. See, Jesus met Cleo and his friend right where they were out on that road. He met them right where they were in their place of disappointment and despair and discouragement. He met them there and he engaged them in conversation. He began to talk to them about all that God was doing and he showed them all about who he was. He shared the story and they invited him in and he broke bread and he was revealed to them. And you know what? Now it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility as Christians. We're not to just come in and have church and have a good time praising Jesus, you know, and then go on our merry way, check that box off the list for this week. We don't went to church. It's all good. God calls us to go and share our story and bring hope to those who are hopeless. So I want to charge you with that this week. God has called us to be the kinds of people who would get on the road and pursue the broken, pursue the the outcast, pursue the hurting, pursue the wounded, pursue the orphan, pursue those who are in pain, and engage them in conversation and invite them into God's kingdom. It's all about the invitation because that invitation changes everything. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I just pray, Lord, that your words here in Luke 24 would resound deeply in our hearts this week, God. Lord, it seems unconventional to hear a story about that took place just after your death. It's a story that we normally would hear around Easter time. And God, it's Christmas time where we normally would hear stories about your birth and, and Jesus, how you came into the world to bring hope and joy and peace. But God, this is a story of hope and joy and peace. Because there are people who are walking their road of disappointment, who have been just discouraged by 2020 because of the events that have unfolded. And God, they need hope. So I just pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would charge us this week to be the ones who would go, to bring hope to them and invite them into the kingdom, to give them an invitation to come to know you because the invitation changes everything. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We worship you in this place this morning. In your name we pray. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.